What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good morning. This is Aaron Stroud, CMO of W2O and the host of the What to Know podcast show. And I am doing a special twofer today with two people that I appreciate very much. Uh, the first is Ellen Gerstein, who is the Senior Director of Corporate Affairs at Pfizer. Welcome, Ellen. Thanks, Aaron. And the other is Wendy Carhart, who is a Managing Director at W2O and is overseeing our employees' comms um, and is really been a great partner on all things uh, communications. And she was the one that teed up an idea, which we're going to execute on today, and that really was... We are living through unprecedented times. You know, everyone is, you can't turn without seeing a million different COVID-19 articles, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Um, Given the criticality of communication during this time, we thought it was important to sit down with two experts in this field. I, I know a thing or two myself. And just the importance of being good communicators, particularly looking inward during these times, making sure, obviously, that it matches with the out. So I do like to start with backgrounds because I think both of you have interesting backgrounds and sort of give some context as to why we're here today. Ellen, I'm going to start with you. Um, You and I actually had the unique pleasure of crossing paths. I don't even remember how many years it was ago, you know, eight or 10. Uh, You were at Wiley and I was writing a dummies book. And so we connected then and then reconnected, I don't know, three or four years later uh, when you came down and uh, spoke at South by Southwest with us. So let's talk a little bit about your journey prior to joining Pfizer. Thanks, Aaron, and thank you again for um, inviting me to this conversation. Um, when I was working at Wiley, I wore a number of different hats, but uh, due to my work with our computer books team, we started getting in a lot of proposals for books on this new thing that had emerged called social media. And some of the books were pretty basic, how to set up a Twitter account, how to create a Facebook page for your business. But others talked about the philosophy of how to market and connect on these new platforms. And one of the things that my team and I very quickly realized was the authors had an expectation that we would actually know what was in their books and use these techniques. So we took it upon ourselves to read the books when they came in. So when Laura Fitton wrote Twitter for Dummies, we were right on board reading it and learning from it. And that's what really stoked my passion for connecting through social media. And eventually when I decided that I was looking for something outside of publishing, I wanted to make my career, take off some of those other hats and make my career social media. And that's how I wound up at Pfizer as a communicator. And it's been a path that I'm really proud of. And I'm grateful to have the job that I'm doing today. Well, and uh, I'm sure Pfizer is grateful to have you. You seem to do an excellent job at what you do. Um, Wendy, you've had a mix of big agency background. And then recently you had a a pretty cool brand side job where you were a senior communications leader at Banfield Pet Hospital. And then we were lucky enough to scoop you up and bring you into the W2O fold a few months ago. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, how you made your way in the world down that path. Sure. Thanks, Aaron. So for me, it's all about purpose. So I've always wanted to feel like I'm making a positive impact in the world. So while I've been in multiple roles, 
that's the common thread. Uh, so I actually began my career working for a biotech um, and leading communications through the FDA approval process for a drug for congestive heart failure. And then, as you noted, I spent time at a couple of different agencies, really focused on corporate communications and CSR for some brands like Microsoft and the Nike Foundation and an international non-governmental organization called Mercy Corps. And then moved back in-house to Banfield, where I initially focused on internal communications, and that really um, spurred my interest in internal communications. But the thread between all of these really is working in an area where there's a positive impact to society, and that's really what drives me. So the move to W2O last year was a perfect fit, given the focus on healthcare, something that touches all of us, and you know, as we're as we're seeing right now, more so than ever, has an incredibly important impact on on people's lives. Well, again, we're thrilled to have you, and uh, um, I think we're going to have a good conversation today. I'm going to start with an important one, which is, you know, we mentioned we're in the midst of this global pandemic. Um, it's like unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes anyway. You know, some people um, alluded to the Spanish flu, certainly things like AIDS or, you know, Ebola have had traumatic impacts as well, but this is really collectively hitting us all hard. This is the most important time for leadership, and I think we're seeing a lot of new leaders emerging, but specifically looking at our own companies. Let's talk a little bit about the role of leadership in a crisis. Ellen, maybe we'll start with you on this. Sure. It's been a different thing for people to get used to, not having their teams around and not having that face time. And some people have done really well with it. Some people are getting used to it. Um, At least on my team, we've worked at home um, off and on when we've needed to for a while. So it has been something that we've been used to and we know how to communicate and get work done um, via distance. The one thing that I think has been the most fascinating to see is this kind of all-hands-on-deck mentality that's sprung up, where you might have a request for something that has to be done in the next three hours. And so many people have set up group texts within our team's application where they, they kind of throw something out saying, so-and-so needs this graphic done. Can anybody help me work on it? Can anybody get this approved by legal? And I've seen a lot of silos come crashing down as a result, where people are are stepping up to work on projects that they might not have done before, but they see a need, they they want to have that sense of purpose and contribute to the work that's being done. And if you can look and say that there's a benefit to this time, I, I would say it's the disintegration of the silos as a result of the collective effort and purpose. That sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it, Wendy? Any, uh, any it, it does, Ellen. I would just add to that our CEO, Jim Weiss, said this week, which I thought was really telling, which is there is no playbook. So the need to be sort of, as you described, flexible and fluid. And, you know, we're all sort of trying things that maybe we've never done before. And that really is, I think, a great benefit of this. I also think leaders are really showing empathy in some really lovely ways. Um, I don't know if anyone listening has seen, but the Marriott International CEO, Arnie Sorensen, issued a video, I think last week now, um, and it's just such a great example of how leaders can show up as humans first and really address a you know incredibly difficult situation with, with empathy, and that really is... Um, a shining example of, you know, the ways that leaders are showing up through this pandemic. Yeah, it's really nice. I mean, it's obviously, 
it's hard to look at silver linings, but I think we are seeing some amazing trends and some empathy and some real humanity come out of this, which is, you know, much needed, I think. So Ellen, I've noticed that Pfizer's had a steady stream of content related to COVID-19 during the last few weeks. Uh, I'm assuming that that's also matched internally. It's been a little tricky because I know ourselves included, a lot of companies had some trepidation when it first came to uh, communicating in this environment. Talk a little bit about how you all got started and, and what that looked like. So I'd love to say we started with all hands on deck, but that's not necessarily how it was. We, we really did smart, start small because we were looking at what regions were impacted and what we could do for colleagues in those regions. For example, in the beginning, our communications efforts were predominantly focused on colleagues and stakeholders in China, in Italy, where the virus was really having an effect. As it continued to spread and impact more regions and countries, and we learned more about the virus itself, we expanded our communications efforts. So for us in digital, we started small with very simple videos and articles on hand washing, because that was the predominant theme around the U.S. Wash your hands. How many times did we hear that? Not enough. These communications were noticed by people in the organization who encouraged us to continue this. They wanted Pfizer to be seen as a reliable source of information and as a company that cared about finding a solution. So we really took that to heart and made that our North Star through the whole process. What could we contribute to the conversation that would show that we cared about our patient communities? And in the theme of hand-watching, one of the things that we um, thought would be a good contribution was a piece that we did on eczema and hand-watching. Washing your hands continually can dry them out and can bring on an eczema flare. So we talked to people on our medical team about ways that individuals with that condition could protect their hands and not trigger trigger a flare. That was very well received, and we're actually looking to do a video based on it. Well, it's great, and it makes total sense. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's always hard to find that right balance. But given the importance of hand washing, especially early and often, and that makes sense that, you know, you rolled it out regionally, um, that, that sounds like a great approach, and it's clearly showing up in, in how you're showing up in the world. And, Ellen, you teed this up, but I'm going to ask this to Wendy because I know it's something that um, it, it's hard to, to sort of triage at all. Quality, not quantity, and not trying to have the most content, but really having targeted, relevant content, especially as we're fighting COVID-19, and we'll talk a little bit about the lighter side of this as well in a minute, but Wendy, let's talk a little bit about that. How do we find that balance? Yeah, I mean, I think, Ellen, your example is perfect because really what we're seeing is that you need to add something valuable to the conversation. So this is definitely a case where if you don't have something valuable to say, do not say it. Um, And what we're seeing kind of um, at W2O and across our client mix is that there really are four areas where that valuable content is working, and that is a focus on organizations' people, so what they're doing to protect employees and their families and support them through this difficult time, our patients, um, so, you know, how, how are we supporting patients and ensuring our medicines and vaccines can still reach patients and customers? Um, throughout this pandemic, research. So how is scientific expertise contributing to research efforts and communities? So how are companies supporting healthcare providers and their communities? So it's those four areas that seem to really be the content that people want right now. And outside of that, I'd say people's appetite is very, very limited. (laughs) Um, 
that's what we're seeing today. Ellen, anything to add to that? Are you seeing anything different? Uh, 100% on board with what Wendy said. Um, we are seeing, uh, when we post things that are peripherally related to COVID-19, the question comes from our followers, what are you doing to, to find a cure? Uh, what is the work of your organization to get us out of this situation? And I think unless we're able to say that, we have to be very measured about the content that we're putting out there. And when we do have opportunities to talk about a scientific breakthrough or something that our researchers have found, you know, that's, that's the content that really resonates with our audiences because they're looking for hope. How can we give them hope right now? And that's another, you know, kind of guiding principle that we're working with. Our, our communications should fall on the side of offering hope. Yeah. So related to that, you know, this whole working from home thing, we're all sheltering in place or most of us are all sheltering in place. And I know being the heads of employee comms or, or sort of leading those charges, it's not like we can completely control this, but you know, what is the role and what are you doing to help keep productivity and morale and you know, that hope alive? And Ellen, I'll start with you since you just sort of brought the hope piece up. Yeah. Um, for us, it's, some simple things like checking in with people more often, um, at least with some of my teammates, I would have biweekly check-ins. Now those are weekly. Um, I am not a millennial, but I have millennial tendencies and talking on the phone is really hard for me. But I'm also conscious that there are some times where a quick phone call can eliminate ambiguities and get us to a solution faster. So I'm much quicker to pick up the phone. Um, and our team in general does try to support each other. I, I mentioned the, the kind of all hands on deck mentality. Um, I decided to take Good Friday off, at, you know, this year. And um, I, I put out a request to my team saying, is there anybody who could cover me? And I had 10 people raise their hands. So um, we really are in it together. And it's nice in that respect to have that kind of compatriotness. That's not a word. It is now. You just made it. It is now. Okay. Compatriotness. I'm making up words as I go along. We're going to hashtag this compatriotness. <laughs> I think that works. But uh, it, it's forging relationships with people that you knew were there and that you didn't realize that were there. And I have a new appreciation for a lot of people that I worked with that I didn't have before. So Wendy related to that, and you can certainly chime in as well, but I know one of the things we've done is creating this sort of water cooler, you know, I mean, that's an antiquated word now, but, um, you know, you, we've created this group called Whoop It Up, and really the purpose is to let our hair down a little bit and do some cool things. So talk a little bit about that spectrum of helping to keep people, you know, amused and strengthening that compatriotness among all of our employees during these hard times. Absolutely. So we saw early on that given how serious this was and how stressful the situation was for so many of our, our people, that having a lighthearted way to connect with others was going to be really important. Um, all of us are dealing with incredibly complex challenges right now, and sometimes you just need a laugh and a moment of joy. So Aaron, as you said, we created an online chat called Whoop It Up, which is separate from uh, the other communications that we're doing around COVID-19. And we made it really clear that this was a place for people to connect in this way. So, you know, you don't go there unless that's what you're looking for. You don't go there to find out, you know, what the new policy is or, or what's happened today. You go there for funny updates, tips on how to manage, 
it really has created a life of its own. So, you know, we're a company full of creatives and you start to see some really incredible ways that people are staying sane through this. So we have a colleague who's been singing songs and posting videos of himself singing songs. Um, he's done duets with others with uh, the magic of video editing, um, all, all really to cheer people up. Um, and to give them a sense, a little bit of a sense of normalcy and just a moment of joy throughout what can be a, a, you know, a really challenging situation. Well, I think one of the things that I've also appreciated, and this was back to the leadership conversation the three of us were having earlier, is we also created this let's hang, right? And the hashtag that our CEO, Jim Weiss, uh, made popular and is still an important piece of our culture. And the idea behind it is getting different leaders to come in and spend time, usually sort of after hours, but people can ask them any questions. And it, it really is a nice way for the broader company, I think, to connect, Ellen, to your point earlier of really showing that we're all in this together. And there are opportunities to learn some things that I think people didn't know and, and really drilling down deep with someone that maybe is leading creative or leading analytics or, you know, um, some of the leaders, they just don't get to have the day-to-day the -day interactions with. So that's really been a nice byproduct. Ellen, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, you launched this new employee advocacy program um, in the midst of this pandemic. I, I know you've been doing some piloting before, but it's really taken off. And, and I think you said you've gone from 900 people being engaged in it to 30,000 people overnight. Like, talk about that whole process and what you've seen and, and why has it taken off so quickly? When we decided to take our program from 900 to 30,000, we had a very set date in mind. And that date was in March. And we came up with that date last November. And we looked at, is this the right time to do this? And we decided to a person that there couldn't be a better time to do this. We have colleagues you know, all over the country who want to support our work, to support the scientists, to, to support the researchers, to support our manufacturing colleagues who are going into work every day and getting the job done. Um, so they got on board with this effort really quickly. We had an all company webinar to get people trained. We've had so many people coming to us saying, this is the content now that I want to share. Can you make sure that this is in the platform? And it's been really rewarding. I wouldn't recommend picking a global pandemic as the time to launch a program like this, but it worked out for us. Well, I think, Wendy, we've seen similar changes. I know Angela sent a note around uh, this morning, our COO uh, and our boss, and she was mentioning the fact that we're really starting to see some great traction. We had been doing pretty well as it was. But, you know, we're really starting to see some sustained engagement and obviously because of some of the programs that we've got in there. So, you know, any thoughts on that, Wendy? No, I think just that this is a trend that will continue after this is, you know, when the day comes when we all look back on 2020 and are able to think about it in hindsight, I think you're seeing that the importance of engagement and having the tools and the opportunities for employees really to be involved um, and thought of as more important stakeholders. That's a trend that's been happening obviously over the last few years, but I think this pandemic has showed all of us um, the true importance of that group. Um, and in fact, you're seeing that, you know, some companies who aren't doing everything possible for their employees are facing some black backlash. Um, so the importance of having systems and platforms that can support real-time information sharing and, 
and collaboration virtually, that trend is going to continue and, and grow exponentially after this. Well, it's a good segue into the second to last question here. And it's just talking about partnerships that are being created that are different and novel. And I think, Ellen, you even mentioned some collaboration among folks that might be, you know, normally competitors. Let's start with that. What are you seeing on that front? And maybe anything that you could share as an example. Our CEO put forth a five-point plan to address how we're going to battle this coronavirus. And at the heart of it was collaboration that not one company, no one company will get this done, no one government will get this done, that we all have to work together to make this possible. And even from a social media side, I've seen, you know, companies that are generally competitors coming together as peers and cheering each other on. Um, when Roche got one of their diagnostic tests approved, you know, we retweeted that with a congratulations. I've seen other pharma companies just really cheering each other on in this because Again, we are all in it together. No one company is going to provide all the solutions. We need academics, we need governments. And that's been really refreshing to see, that attitude of camaraderie. Yeah, and, and I'll jump in on this one, Wendy, if you don't mind. So we, you know, less so maybe with competitors, but we've had a couple of organizations that we've jumped in uh, and started to partner with the Commons Project, which, you know, Jim is, is a board of trustee on. Um, so we've been helping them with a variety of different things and they've got COVID check and they've got uh, a registry that they're uh, chipping away on. And then we've got um, another project where it's, it's this group, it's called uh, Ventilator SOS, where they're converting CPAP machines into emergency ventilators. And they've gotten crazy coverage this week. And, you know, we're sort of seeing where it's going to go and how it's going to work, but it seems like there's an appetite for that. And, you know, our attitude is just like, it's all hands on deck and we, to your point, we're not going to, no one company or one agency or one entity is going to solve this. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's do this together. Yeah, I just add that we're seeing some really amazing things here. And as someone who's worked in corporate responsibility and, and purpose for a while, it's really exciting to see groups like Tesla and Medtronic, for example, coming together. And I think what's important about these is that these organizations are really going back to the basics. So they're thinking about what is their purpose, what do they do well, what's their expertise, and how can they add that to really benefit this fight. And it's really inspiring to see. And Ellen, your example about hand washing, I think, is the perfect example, right? Like, what, what do you know how to do better than anyone else, and how can you bring that to bear for the benefit of others? It's really, really inspiring to see. Yeah, no, great, great ads, Wendy. Uh, I do want to end on a lighter note, and I've actually chosen not to do this the last couple of episodes just out of respect for what's going on, but I do know that this is going to last a while longer, and there is some element of getting a little bit back to normalcy as we go through this. So I have a, fun, a few fun questions I normally ask. I'm going to keep it to just one, and it's one that I think we can all benefit from because music now is probably more important than ever. Um, my question is, is the one that I always ask at the end, which is you're on a proverbial deserted island. You could take one album with you. Which would you take and why? Ellen, I'm going to start with you on this one. So my normal answer for this, and it, it has to be vinyl, is Disintegration by The Cure. But people at, at times like this may think that's a really strange choice. I happen to be a huge fan of The Cure, and that album makes me happier than most anything. But I understand that it, may not be everybody's cup of tea. So I will go with my It's Time to Get Moving and Clean the House album, which is Dire Straits Making Movies. That's the one that gets me up and moving and just brings a lot of joy into my life. 
Well, I love both of those. And I think the second one right now, given the fact that we need things to keep us motivated in the house and then cleaning our house is probably more important than ever. So thank you for that. You those. got it. Yeah, sure. yeah. So I actually have two as well. One real one. And then one, you know, today we lost John Prine, who was just an incredible songwriter. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite songs of his was Angel of Montgomery, sung by Bonnie Raitt. And so just uh, that was ringing true for me this morning. Um, but then also Tiger Lily from Natalie Merchant. So it was released in 1995, which was one of those pivotal years in my life. I moved to San Francisco. I had my first real job. I met my husband. So the memories connected to that album always make me incredibly happy and joyful. Well, Wendy, Ellen, thank you so much for doing this and uh, continue to you know do the great job that you're doing to help keep people moving forward and informed and, and feeling like we can beat this together. Uh, this is Aaron Strout, CMO of WTO and the host of the What's Know podcast show. Hoping everyone is out there social distancing, staying safe and sane. Thank you all for listening. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.